Welcome to episode 27 of the Machine Ethics Podcast. This month I'm talking to Dan Fagella about everything AI, from machine technology transition and post-humans, discussing AI and policymakers, where the money is made in AI, and AI ethics as a farce. You can find us at machine-ethics.net or on patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. Just a quick note to apologise for some audio glitches to do with the internet speeds and also that there are some gaps in the audio recording where there may have been swearing. Stay tuned for more of me at the end of the podcast and enjoy. So, um, hi Dan, thanks for joining me on the podcast. If you could quickly introduce yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, sure, Ben. H- happy to do so. Uh, my name is Dan Fagella. I run, um, I run Emerge, so E-M-E-R-J is the name of the company. Uh, we're basically a, a market research and advisory firm in the space of artificial intelligence. So we, we work with business and government leaders who are normally making very expensive decisions about where to go with AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of our job is to cover the possibility space across different segments and, and let people know what applications might might actually help them achieve their goals. Uh, so yeah, we work with the World Bank, we work with global uh, pharma companies and, and uh, even smaller firms uh, on those kind of decisions. And that's my full-time job. Great. Um, so that sounds like um, obviously right up our street on the podcast. And we're going to dive into some of that stuff um, in a little while. But obviously, we have to start with what is AI? Yeah, man. Um, so uh, really broad. And, and you, you mentioned before we were rolling here that you ask mm. everybody this question. We think that the same approach is pretty useful. So we have a piece on, on Emerge.com called, called uh, like, what is artificial intelligence, an informed definition or something, where we talk to like five PhDs. And just like mm-hmm. you said, you talk to people that have excellent degrees in this space from Brown and from MIT, and you're still going to get a different way of saying it. So, um, you know, I like the really broad definition, which is tough because it's the one that um, is ephemeral. In other words, it's always disappearing and reappearing in new places. You can't really grab it. But machines sort of doing that category of things that we would have presumed required specific human traits. And so back in the day, this might have been expert system stuff that everybody laughs at now, and it's not even AI anymore, and nobody cares anymore. Uh, and now it's all this machine learning stuff, and some of that at some point is going to be old hat, and we're going to laugh at it, and any middle schooler could do it, and who cares about that, and then it's going to evaporate again. So um, I think that, uh, unfortunately, it's a moving target, but that, that's still the one that I like to, to use as a broad reference. Yeah, so this is kind of like moving goalpost of um, things that are changing, and but it's the thought process is that if you thought about humans touching those things, but they're now being done by compute you know, like machines, algorithms, then that's the sort of area we're talking about. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We were we were talking about this briefly before. Um, so you've been called into some of these conversations with governments at the moment, um, and yep. you you're flying out to Shanghai tomorrow. Um, so I was just wondering if you could, you know, what are the things that we can you can share with us within those conversations? Um, yeah, um, <clears throat> just about sort of maybe why AI is relevant at this point. Is yeah. that maybe a good place? Like, why why is it on their radar enough to get me on the phone? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> in in the conversations around kind of the the social. Uh, ramifications of AI. Generally speaking, these tend to be policymaker discussions. A lot of the time there's there's academic folks that are part of these discussions. Mm-hmm. Right now, a good deal of what's going on with like AI's ramifications is still a little bit hypothetical, obviously. Um, and five, six years ago when I first got into this space, it was entirely hypothetical. There were like two websites that cared about it and like nobody even knows about them anymore. Like, like Lifeboat and like Ben Gertzel's blog and like the I. Uh, the IWT and uh, yeah, like barely anybody even cares now. We think it's on the radar, right? It's enough where guys like you have a podcast and and it's it's kind of getting popular. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the part of the conversation that's often not there, I think, right now, is a finger on the pulse of what's happening uh, with AI. So all of my like TED talks and kind of non-paid engagements are always about the ethical side of AI because that's ultimately what I care about. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I care about the post-human transition, and I think that within our lifetime, there's maybe 60-70% chance likelihood of, of that occurring, and that there's sort of nothing more ethically relevant from a utilitarian perspective. Uh, but um, So I, I got the ethical focus, but ultimately all day long, we'll look at pharma, banking, utilities, uh, oil and gas, uh, transportation, etc., and look at not only what's possible, but what's working. So in other words, not just the press release of like, hey, there's a test, somebody at Duke University did this, and that might mean this, but 
what's actually being applied in a way where it's delivering a return, where it's delivering a result in the real world. And so having the possibility space and the mm. space of current functioning is our entire job. That's 90 hours of my week. And so that conversation about like, okay, these are the hypotheticals. This is how things could roll out. But which are the things that are maybe priority? That kind of requires a, a schmo like myself uh, to come in and do it. And so fortunately, our, on our newsletter, we've got you know the, the head of disarmament in Geneva for the, the UN. Uh, we've got you know folks at the World Bank. We've got uh, you know, a ton of other folks in the policy side of things, in addition to business leaders. And when they need to make a call, they, they, they kind of already know a guy because they're listening to my podcast and they're, they're subscribed to the newsletter and they know that the possibility space is what we do. So broadly, why we're relevant is because policy needs to be bounded within what the hell we should care about first. So what you're talking about is the, the real world, essentially, like what is happening right now? What can we take away from this? Uh, what works? What doesn't work? And... and and making and helping people make those decisions about the use of this technology, um, yeah. And how 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 does that play out? Uh, I mean, what kind of topics are they going to be um, relating this stuff to within the governments within yeah. the the those conversations? Um, yep. So uh, I, I mean, I guess it's different in different events, but I can talk mm-hmm. to you, I guess, on on just a high level about the ones yeah. that that at least I've been been lucky enough to be called in for. So right now just as a baseline bit of knowledge. If we take where your average business leader is in terms of AI understanding, it's decent, you know? It's way mm-hmm. better than it was three years ago where it was like functionally non-existent. It's actually pretty, pretty robust, especially in spaces like, let's say, retail or, you know, some corners of life sciences and a lot of areas of financial services and the big trillion dollar sectors that we focus a lot of our attention on. Um, people are aware of the concepts. They understand the value of data. They understand roughly the challenges of like, that it, it is a problem that their data, data is siloed. They understand maybe some degree of the subset of problems that AI could solve. If we go to where policymakers are, we are at a much lower level. We are where business leaders might have been four years ago, right. which is functionally like it was getting on their Twitter stream, but it was almost not anywhere farther than that. Now, I do want to be clear. I don't see that as a sign that policymakers are like bad or behind the eight ball or like it's wrong. I'm just saying the necessity hasn't hit them as soon. So if you are in, you know, financial services and you could save, you know, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars with anti-money laundering technology, that has to be on your radar as soon as it's relevant, right? Mm-hmm. But like the social implications of AI is a little stretchier and weirder and farther out and distant. And, and so maybe that just didn't get on your radar yet. And so we're kind of seeing the beginnings of the upramp in the policy world in terms of an AI grasp. Um, and mm-hmm. so a lot of what's spoken about then, as much as I wish I could tell you it's the same level of depth as you know when I get paid by a room full of pharma execs, mm-hmm. it's, um, it, it's, it's kind of, can AI help with this? Um, is AI a thing that could do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something I should worry about? And it's a lot of ground level knowledge around the, the, the broad set of problems and problem types that AI could even be applied to. So a lot mm-hmm. of the Q&A, whether it's a delegate from Portugal or uh, Pakistan, or whether it's a policymaker who, who's in Switzerland, it's kind of that category of stuff at present. And, and so this is my sense uh, from my mm-hmm. experience on, on, on the public side for the last, let's say, six months or so. Yeah. So it's, it's almost, um, do you think they are in a position where they, because if they're having to get this foundational knowledge, are you seeing them having applications or is that something that you'll probably see in a couple of years' time? You get pulled back into maybe these conversations and yeah. there'll be some sort of um, result that comes out of this. That, that'll be a really interesting conversation to have, I can imagine. Yeah. Yes, yes, I I think so. So you're you're on a, you're on point there. So here's here's how I see it going down. But I do think there's a lot of challenges in the public sector, and mm. I'm not a pessimist by any means. Uh, otherwise, I, I probably just like wouldn't be involved. Uh, but I there's a lot of challenges. So yes, right now we are in the idea mode. Now mm. I'll be clear. I I have a saying that I say all the time that right now I'm talking you know the end of 2018. Um, most of the money in AI is made at events. I still say that uh, because these these venture firms are all we do is look at companies. It's all we do. We just examine companies, we examine mm-hmm. case studies, we grill them. You know, again, we go to the Facebook offices and we go to the startup offices, and we you know we're we're and then we're building these maps and we're, yeah. we're building these maps for, for big companies. So 
I can tell you, these guys are all living off of venture money. They're all living off of venture money. Very few of them are driving powerful and consistent revenues by delivering a result. Mm -hmm. They're not there yet, right? A lot of these companies, even if they've raised $70 million, they're still like their whole product set and marketing may be like two thirds of it may be different four months from now because they're still feeling out how this stuff is supposed to click in the big clunky world of the enterprise. Mm. It's hard. They're still figuring it out. And so the money is not, oh, well, there's all these solutions that clearly drive value and they're easy to integrate and the money's getting made. Hell no, Ben. Hell no. Anybody who's tuned in and thinks that is like really deceived. The money is made with people charging $2,000 for events. And a lot of it is event companies that have run an event in pharma or insurance or whatever for 20 years and they put mm -hmm. an AI sticker in front of the event. They bring in AI speakers and now you can charge $700 more per ticket and yep. you can get more people to show up. That's where the money is right now. And so, you know, we talk about, you were just saying, mm -hmm. is the government like, are they eventually going to buy this stuff and, and adapt this stuff? Yes. But even in the enterprise world, for the most part, it is fulfilling curiosity. So here's my, mm -hmm. here's, here's, I'm going to explain the paradigm of learning that mm -hmm. will have to happen before adoption occurs. So here's how I think about it. Two things broadly that have to be the case, Ben. And this this train is moving much faster in enterprise than the public sector. But you know, hopefully, yep. the public sector will, will get where they need to when they need to. Uh, and I'm not I'm not going to rush them. But one, people need to grasp, broadly speaking, mm -hmm. what what is the set of things that AI can do. So so roughly, what are the requirements? You know, we need some kind of inputs. We need some kind of algorithms. We need to do some kind of work with those algorithms. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain kinds of outputs that we might be able to put in. So what can we do with image data? What can we do with text data? What can we do to discover things within unlabeled information? What can we? So they need to understand broadly the set of problems that AI can solve. And, and yeah. we have like seven articles that can get somebody up to speed on that like pretty fast. And, 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 and oftentimes... And what's the... Uh, um, yeah, go ahead. What's the URL for that? Emerge yeah, I'll actually... It's, a, it's a Google com, Doc right? for my writers. Yeah. It's, a, it's a Google Doc for my writers, but I'll literally send it to you if you want. Like, we can show notes that thing. You nice. know what I mean? Yeah, and let's I'll, do that. The, the audience can get the, the same thing we use to train our writers and researchers. Awesome. So, and I actually did... I recently sent the same doc to National Defense University in Washington, D.C., because mm. the generals and colonels that I spoke for, like high-level military people, yep. also want to know the broad capability space. They don't want to read every blog post on, on yes. you know... Exactly. I don't know. There's only uh, so much time. MIT right? Tech Review or something. Yeah. 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 So, so understanding the broad capability space is, I think, step one. And that mm -hmm. is a less than a half day endeavor. I wish I could tell you it's a half hour endeavor. It's not. But it's less than a half day endeavor. Took us a while to boil this stuff down, but we've had to train a lot of folks to write about these things. Yep. So, um, so that, that's, that's pretty simple. The second thing actually takes a bit longer, Ben. And that is to grasp a bunch of currently rolling case studies in the real world within your domain of focus. So when I was at, you know, speaking to, again, generals and colonels, that mm -hmm. might be looking at unmanned aerial vehicle use cases, looking at tank use cases, mm -hmm. looking at surveillance use cases, looking at, and being able to drink in. So, so taking those broad concepts, you mm -hmm. know, explaining like, okay, what problems can AI solve? Understand your inputs, what algorithms do, what are the outputs that are reasonable, what do humans have to do to be involved? Taking that concept and then saying, here's an example Fit it through that conceptual framework. Here's another example. It's real. It's not hypothetical. Mm -hmm. Fit it through that conceptual framework. Do that with half a dozen of those. And now all of a sudden you look into the world and you can say with some degree of confidence, like let's say eight times better than you were before, that's a problem I bet you AI can help me solve. Yeah. That's a problem I bet you AI cannot help me solve. And, and enterprise and government both need to get to that level where they know where it's relevant. Right now, Ben, they don't mm -hmm. know where it's relevant, in part because the tech is so darn new and it hasn't proven itself in a lot of spaces, mm -hmm. and in part because people are just tuning into it and they're spending their money going to $2,000 events to learn about it. So, yeah. um, or, or to pay for our market research, for example. So we're, we're, we're kind of benefiting from this curiosity phase for sure. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's what's going to have to happen in the public sector too, Ben, but I will tell you, it's a slow moving wheel. We're definitely not at the basic conceptual understanding um, in, in the public sector now. Will they eventually adopt AI? Yes, there's a lot mm -hmm. of challenges in the public sector to doing so, and mm -hmm. I can talk about those if you'd like. 
Uh, I had a question that came up into my mind. Um, so is there, are you talking to people, because um, obviously this is the Machine Ethics podcast and we like yes, to... Yes, yes, yes. So we have, I um, appreciate that our audience have a, a base understanding of what AI uh, means to them and what kinds of things we talk about in the podcast from ethical dilemmas to, you know, uses of um, big data and uh, security and all this sort of stuff. But um, we mostly focus on giving these superpowers uh, in what places should we use them um so are these the sorts of conversations that yeah. are happening at that level do you think you know yep. if you know we could use this tool for this particular area but you know should we um should we think about this should we let human do it or should we not do it at all that sort of thing yeah i uh i have an exceedingly jaded and cynical conception of kind of the ai ethics world writ large mm-hmm. right now but uh like Yes, those conversations are making their way in there. Yeah. Here's kind of how AI ethics works right now. So if you lead an organization that has to do things, so like a super grown-up, like you're just a grown-up, um, then, then you have a lot of concerns, and like the ethical concerns are among them, but you have a lot of mm-hmm. concerns. But the way that you will sort of like fulfill your your needs and your obligations to, let's say, make payroll, which, by the way, Ben, I mean, let, let's be cold about it. Mm. That's a virtue, man. Making payroll is a pinnacle virtue. Dudes like you can't pay for internet, right? Uh, you know, uh, my employees in, 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 in the other office uh, don't, don't show up. You know, like, it's, uh, yeah. man, ooh, that's the, the world goes round, pal. You know, the world goes MFing around. Um, and so making payroll is a, is a paramount Frickin' moral pinnacle virtue, and so and so you you got to be concerned with some of those things. Mm-hmm. But if you if you have so, but but if if you don't have those concerns, then the way that you would gain prominence and the way that you would appear good would be through other means. And so you would obtain whatever that kind of fulfillment is through potentially the touting of more abstract virtues. You know, like uh, in the in the in the in the, the scholarly and Confucian sense. You know, the way that you would obtain. Uh, prominence, the way that you would obtain uh, notoriety, the way that you would build maybe a name for yourself, maybe wouldn't be through, you know, power in the colloquial sense, but but maybe you could be better in some moral way than other folks um, and, and maybe get attention in, in that sense. Now, am I saying that everybody's bad? Oh, the business people just care about business. And the ethics mm-hmm. people just, no, I'm not saying people are bad. I'm saying people are people. And, and so I think that there is a big emphasis right now from the nonprofit and from the academic world that you know, if only these people running governments and businesses were moral like we are, Mm-mm-mm. if only they were moral as we are. And for me, that's a that's a very revolting notion. I consider that to be sort of, yeah, that, that's like that that notion just like smells bad to me. I just, um, and so and so that that's kind of the state of AI ethics. So a lot of the impetus, whether mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, conversations and, you know, even, even in the UN or whatever, a, a lot of the purely like, um, Hey guys, we need to be ethical and moral. Is sort of like is 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 essentially the stance is there's these people that lead organizations and they're not good like we are. Mm-hmm. They don't have morals like we do. Um, and and in reality, I think everybody's vying for prominence in the way that they're uh sort of uh, uh in the way that they can. And so that so the powerful and the powerless will do that in different ways. Yeah, I think we might have uh, supremely differing ideas on on that one. But I won't uh, um, turn we, this into a, um, a big uh, challenge. Um, so, is there? Do you think there's an incompatibility then? So, um, you're alluding to the fact that the private sector has to make money. It's what private sector does. It, it, that's kind of the point. It has to support families, and and that's the sort of remit that it has. Um, and by doing that, it supports itself and provides goods and services. Do you think? There's an incompatibility there between uh, maybe having some reflection on. I don't think, like for me, I'm not. I wouldn't say that um, all businesses are doing bad uh, necessarily. Yeah, me neither. Um, but um, automation. Um, so using automation, using some of these AI things, you're kind of offloading some work to a system. And um, what true. I would say is, you know, if you don't necessarily uh, do that in a um really uh, i don't know it's a quite complex system you know so you know if the outcomes from that system are going to affect people negatively then you should be conscious of that effect basically you know there's lots to talk about in there but yes yes um so you don't you're saying so is yeah yeah so is there maybe a non-fit 
Yes. So is it our business is just basically uh, not thinking about those things in your mind because they have to make payroll, or or do you think that that comes into it and that's good and actually the people those ethics people are maybe talking about something else? I do think on the aggregate it's good. So yep. here's the rest of the conversation. Okay. Um, I've made the analogy probably a hundred times of the green movement. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, like the environmental stuff. Yes. So here's how I think it works. <laughs> and by the way, like mm-hmm. I don't think the we need to make payroll thing is an, is an excuse for everything. Like I really don't. I, I think mm. that's like, it's like to, to say like, well, the buck stops there. End of story. No more talking. That's yeah, super yeah. childish and I'm not about it. Okay. But, but I, I also do believe it's exceedingly childish to say, if only you big people were as good as me. So here's the, here's the quote, Ben. So, mm-hmm. so this quote, this is a very important quote in my opinion. So I, I forget where, where I pulled this from at some point. But there's mm-hmm. some, some Bonaparte quote at some point. And Bonaparte's not that good for quoting when it comes to a bunch of stuff because he's just not good for a bunch of things. But, um, but for like dynamics of power, I think he's, he's among the pivotal sources. Uh, and so there's a statement of, of those who rail against tyranny are many who long to be tyrants. And I think that if the, the statement of I'm the little guy, if mm. only you people were as good as me, right? How Robespierre is that shit? You know what I'm saying? Mm. How straight up how straight up Robespierre is that? That's just that's a, it's a way to gain prominence when you're a prominentless person. Uh, and and I'm not saying that AI ethics mm. people are bad, meager little people. Nor am I saying the people in businesses are big, fat cat, capitalist, evil people either. I'm just saying these are the dynamics of power. I kind of just feel like I accept that and like get it, but I really don't think that like surely the academics they go to heaven. And the people that run businesses um, go to hell. Like I think that's that's like it um, for infants. That's for yeah. that's for uh, children. And, and so and so uh, I think it's much more gray. Now you asked mm-hmm. if I if I think there's a compatibility. I mm-hmm. do. And I think that even the virtue signaling that is AI ethics today is a, is probably a net good. And here's how. So. I liken it to the green deal. So the green thing, I, I don't know when it emerged. It was probably before I was born. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, this idea that sort of, hey, you know, uh, we, we should, um, uh, you know, care for the environment and not pollute things and, and the rest of this. Yeah. At, at some point, this was like a movement maybe, you know, uh, Silent Spring, I think, was one of the seminal works that kind of got this on the radar, uh, where p- people – you know, kind of be- became aware that this was a thing. Probably it was academics and it was scholars and it was maybe nonprofits and people hurling this up into the air and saying, um, how come these organizations don't care about these things? Then what started happening, as is definitely already happening in AI, is the businesses were saying, you know, they would gulp, uh, we care, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 you, and you know it's kind of forced and it's kind of weird and it's kind of like, I guess they have to care, right? Because like, so, so let me ask mm-hmm. you a question, Ben. Um, how Christian do you think Constantine was? Um, I don't really know. Tough the... historical question. All right, so yeah, I'll lay sorry, it on you. it's not so, on so my. Con- um... So under, under Constantine, so uh, Rome mm. is like my whole bag. Like I think it, you just like read enough Rome and like like mm-hmm. you just understand other things. That's eh, probably you know pro- pro- probably a bad thought. Maybe I should read other stuff. I uh, read a, read a lot of stuff, but mm. but um, hang there a lot. Yeah. Um, so at some point you're ruling Rome, mm-hmm. and at some point. They're all praying to this guy that died on a cross. By the way, I'm su- I'm not like making fun of Christianity at all. I'm, I'm you know it just is what it is, right? There were yep. other religions well, I mean, before it. Okay? It's in the book, were, right? Were, that's that's part of yeah, the deal. It's in the book, man. Yeah. That's how we died, man. That's the deal. <laughs> like so so uh, so I, I'm I have you know really tight pals who are Christian and, and the rest of that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and so you know you're ruling a country as a, an emperor in some degree, and and everybody mm-hmm. is. Christian, what do you do? I mean, like, really, what do you do? So you, you got two choices. You you continue to try to um, subjugate them, like like they did in like old Rome, where like they put them in with the gladiators and like have the lions eat them and stuff. Yeah. But like that's when there was a fistful of them, and you could like find those little fistfuls and you could throw them in there, and you could like have the lions eat them. Now that's morally horrendous behavior, absolutely abysmal terrible things that fortunately I think for the most part we've moved beyond as a species but that's the kind of thing that happened these poor persecuted people now at some point there are more of those persecuted than there are of your Zeus lovers you know mm-hmm. and 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 they're more organized and they're more devout and they're more uniform and so you have two choices you either um you, you either try to squelch them all which would be very tough you'd have to like kill half your population or something mm-hmm. uh, or, or like a 
I don't know, find some way to maintain control over them. But they're like really devout and it's a singular God. It's like not like this constellation of gods like it was back in the day. You know, it's not like uh, like India is now, for example. Mm. Um, it, it's like really, mm, God, they got like one thing. And uh, you can do that or you can say, I too believe in your God. And in fact, I'm, I am the voice of your God on earth. And, and so like I, I am the channel through which the power of the God that you worship makes his way into the world. So this is choice two, Ben. And you can understand why choice mm. two is preferable to choice one. Do you understand where I'm going? Yeah. yeah. So, so when the green thing gets to threshold X, okay, then it behooves you to not put them in the gladiator ring. You understand? Yeah. So, 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 so it behooves you to instead take up the scepter. Take up the scepter. And so you see the firms in Silicon Valley being, um, you know, you can't, by the way, I, I'm, I'm like super politically unaffiliated. Like, me, like mm -hmm. I, just, I just absolutely can't even think about the idea of being politically affiliated one way or another. I live in like mega progressive cities and like that's where I like to live, but I'm still uh, like politically unaffiliated. But mm -hmm. if you're in Silicon Valley and you're a company, you obviously have to be hyper progressive, right? You have to be hyper progressive. Like you got to get your rainbow flags have to be pounding out there when it's that month or whatever like right. you got to have those bad boys flapping and that has to be way higher than the american flag because the american flag is like a nationalist symbol you know and then that's that's for bad people that's for bad um like like that's for bad people ben. so yeah. so you you can only be those kind of things because the world has changed to such a degree where you can't stem the tide you understand so so with green at some point you couldn't stem the tide and people stepped into it because this is the paradigm i'm going to lose or i'm going to own the paradigm and so you step in to own the paradigm. Now, to consider this to be based entirely on virtue, Ben, I think is for children. I think it is children who think that, Ben. It's infants. Um, it, it's, it's not primarily virtue. It is an adapting to the swelling, changing expectations. To presume that Twitter is somehow more virtuous than some you know, graphic design firm in Iowa is like absolutely childish thought. So here's the deal, though, Ben. Green is now a real deal, and even the people leading bigger companies understand it to be a norm because you know what? It trickled up from being an academic thing to being a thing that people knew they kind of had to feel to a generation or two later being a thing that we're kind of proud of and we all get that as citizens, this is what we now stand for. And you know what, Ben? It might start as non-virtue and it might adapt as non-virtue, but it becomes something that aggregately becomes part of society, and I think it makes us adapt to a world that maybe is aggregately better. So I don't think it has to be angels waking up other angels. I think it has to be these social forces that have some seed of core good. And I mm. believe that in AI ethics, the same will occur. Right now, everybody I think is farcing it like they were with Green. And at some point, a couple CEOs from now in a lot of these companies, that will be seen as a point of pride and something that they've never questioned. And I think that then on the aggregate, that will be a good. But I mm. do not think that it is there. I don't think that it is you know, the clarion call of the angels waking up the, the, the virtue from inside these vicious evil people that exist mm. today. I think it's just the same brutal self-interested forces. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting way of looking at it because uh, it's almost putting a label on something which is, like you say, like a movement uh, as opposed to some sort of factual thing, you know. In, in your Constance, uh, is it Constantine? Uh, Constance? Yeah, Constantine. Yep. Constantine. Yep. Constantine. Example. He's talking about a, 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 let's say a non a non non physical you know cultural response. <laughs> you know, we, yes, yes, he, yes. What he had you a choice to make there. Well, it's definitely but non physical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could say it's historical, yeah. perhaps. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you believe in it, that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. But. Um, when we're talking about the environmental movement, maybe we'd say that there are physicalities of that movement. And, oh, for sure. And, yeah. and um, I'm obviously um, very keen to say that I'm, you know, I want to do more uh, there. Um, but we're talking about AI right now. Um, so I won't dive into that. Because uh, when I talk about AI ethics, um, I, I, I think you are right. There are some people who are, are touting, like hitting a drum for you know people who are um, businesses are bad and and we should be doing better i think there are those conversations happening but um because i have this podcast and uh, speak to lots of interesting people um i have this kind of view that i don't like talking about ai ethics but i like to talk about all the different aspects of using ai <laughs> and and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, these, like you say, like a lot of these are business decisions, right? They're the business decisions, they're uh, decisions in your design, like you design a service or product. And 
And in my mind, when we're talking about AI ethics, what we're actually talking about is like designing something well, you know, are we going to design something well so that it doesn't, you know, necessarily snoop on people yeah. or uh, take away some sort of autonomy because, you know, and, and it could. And that's and that is part of how you would design stuff, you know, not just AI, but, you know, it becomes um, uh, in my mind, I'm attracted to that AI bit because you could just click go and then be part of everyone's app or two million people's phones and all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like a different degree of... <sighs> I'm trying to find the words here, but I, you can see where I'm kind of alluding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, I, I can. Well, and, and ben, I, I think I think we're very much of the same ilk here. So you know, apparently we might have some differences around around the AI ethics stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I would suspect actually where you're headed is where I like to head. So I think that there is a good deal of abstract, mm-hmm. as you had said. If only they were as good as me. Why I am the sage who should lead us? Why it is I that should have the power, Ben? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and for me, like I, mm, I have a very visceral response to that kind of just ugliness. Yeah, I have a so, very visceral response so, to that kind of. But 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 yep, I will say, on. some people talk about where the rubber hits the road, and this is where I love it, right? Where we say, hey, here's something we're designing. What should we bear in mind? Mm-hmm. Should we go this road or this road? Now we're not talking about how illustrious I am or how horrible you are or how good this person is or bad this person is. We're just saying, hey, we're a company. We're a damn society. Which of these two roads do we take building this thing? And now we're talking logistics. We're talking about the society we want to build. We're talking about the pros and cons of different paths. This to me is what ethics is. This is where actual progress and norms and standards could be cultivated and developed in a robust way. And you're right. And maybe Mm -hmm. I'm being too sad when I see the the signaling part of it, but there are people who are focused there too. And by golly, that's what I like. So, um, so mm-hmm. I do see, think that there's progress there as well. We we can yeah. talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great. Um, I th- I feel like we it came round. Um, so I like it. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, uh, so I don't think we kind of like um, mentioned too much about what um, specific governments and things like that. So you're going to China tomorrow. Um, yes. Are you having these conversations anywhere else in the world? And and do they kind yeah. of talk to each other? And and does that happen? Um, you know, so uh, the, in terms of the in terms of kind of the confluence of knowledge in the public sector, I do mm-hmm. see it as kind of being in pockets. To some degree, so is the enterprise. Although there are big events that'll bring in people from a lot of different enterprises. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a lot more connected, both publications on the internet and um, physical places to meet, where you get a lot of, of private sector folks coming together from different spaces. I think the aggregate connectivity there is much greater. Where, where have I spoken? I mean, in, in the public sector side of things, we did a huge research project for the World Bank. Um, mm-hmm. who, again, they needed the cutting edge stuff, yada, yada. Africa, Romania, uh, Thailand, you know, ministers of IT and health, mm-hmm. educating these folks on different things. There, there isn't, I mean, they, they didn't just come back from some other public sector conference about data science. Like this stuff yeah. is so new. It is, I think it's happening in these little pockets. I think in over time, I would hope, and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. think it will be an aggregate good, that there will be events where, government leaders in health and IT will yep. come together and it'll be an event for government folks. And th- there will be an actual budget for that because it's of a certain degree of interest, right? Mm-hmm. I talked about in the private sector world, most of the money in AI is made in events. I still say that it's been three years. Um, it's really been two years since everybody's got an AI event. Um, yep. But but in the public sector, at some point there will be budget to, to have these bigger things where that becomes a real big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think we're there yet. I see it happening in pockets. I see a mm-hmm. lot of the what can AI do being the main questions. I see a lot of technical stuff zipping right over people's heads and, and it zips over my head too. I'm not a technical guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, and so I, I see it happening kind of in isolation. But yeah, yeah, let me know what you want to know about that. Yeah. Um, do you run any of your own events? We don't. You don't. Um, and to be <laughs> honest, I've had every business coach I've ever had for this company mm-hmm. has said like, oh, well, you can just run events because yeah. our email list is really big and it's all like, you know, it, it, it tends to be manager, SVP, director folks in, in like sectors that have money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I really feel like the event business to me, ugh, it just feels like such a grind. It feels like such a, a spin wheel. What I like to do is like, if I have limited time and, and resources, I want to research and then pack all that research into somewhere where I can store it and then I can mm-hmm. build on it next year and build on it next year. And then four years later, I have this swelling corpus of capability space of AI that I can share and nobody else like will know that much stuff and I can actually maybe have some value as mm-hmm. opposed to four years later 
have a bunch of events and I might have YouTube videos of them, but there's no core corpus. So I, I'm really kind of planning on continuing to build in defense, life sciences, and, and finance these core corpuses of insight. And so mm -hmm. that's why I've chosen not to do events. Yeah. So maybe in the yeah. future, Ben, but right now, like I keep thinking it's just such a headache. I'm like, oh, I love research so much more. Yeah. You, you almost need to, like to spin off a different you know like a subsidiary i know yeah it's know? like and then someone's got to run that and then yeah, it's like exactly. oh, yeah they, they'll run that that's fine you know you don't have to, yeah. don't worry about it they just that's how it works um no i One I, day. I i run uh, very very small events um here in bristol and it's still difficult still very, very tiring. yeah even for a little event right it's like there's so many things to do so i, I sympathize with you because i we, we promote a lot of these events right we sell you know, I don't know, hundreds of tickets per, per month for mm. events in, in these major sectors for these, you know, O'Reilly Media and the people that run the big events in AI. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these people are not sleeping like the two months before these events. You know what I mean? These yeah. like marketing people like, oh, my God, I, I just keep thinking like I already don't sleep. I don't want to live that life anymore. Like I'll let you guys run them and, you know, pay me to promote them and that'll be my, my involvement. So I, I sympathize with your position mm. there. So um, if, if anyone wants to look you up, as I did earlier, um, they'll find your TED Talk, uh, which is awesome. Um, did you, so you talk about, um, stop me if, if I'm wrong, kind of like how machines can help us maybe get to this better place, inverted commas here, like, um, yeah, and you talk about, you know, what better means to you and, and how we kind of have to think about, you know, better for whom is one of your um, yeah. leading lines and then and and um, how we function as, you know, kind of um, humanoid beings on this planet, animals and how that works and how these machines are different, but they can kind of help us out essentially or inform us in different ways. Um, what's this better place that we're going to build, do you think? Yep. So ultimately for me, I think part of my admittedly maybe too much cynicism on AI and ethics sometimes mm -hmm. is because for me, it is all essentially irrelevant um, until we get to until we get to the grand trajectory of intelligence and sentience. So I'm of the belief that at some point there will be birthed whatever is after people and that the birth and the trajectory of whatever that is, so that, that things are morally worthy in so much as they are self-aware. Mm -hmm. if, if you right now dropped your laptop and it shattered, that, that sucks because you have to go pay for it and like somebody worked hard to build it and stuff, but by itself, like you won't get arrested for it. Like if you drop mm -hmm. your laptop and it shatters, but if you do that with a dog and like it, it dies or is injured really bad, like you could get fined. Um, and, and then if you do that with like a child or something, then you, know, you could like go to jail for a really long time. And yep. so the more sentient something is, the more moral worth it is. Our laws even reflect that, and I think it's iron truth. As we create whatever is, let's say, 10 or 30 times above our own level of sentience and intelligence, which I would say in the next 70 years, I would give us actually a reasonable uh, chance of mm. doing that. I, yep. I have like a 60, 70% chance that the post-human trajectory will will go down within my lifetime. Um, now, I could be wrong about that, but we've done a lot of polling of PhDs. Uh, I don't know many, 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 many PhDs in this space. And Bostrom's done his own research in this space. And I, I respect mm. a lot of the guys in the UK that think about these things. And I give them all the credit that they're due. Um, but I think there's a good shot. And so for me, everything AI ethics, like, yes, I think we got to handle the home front. But at the end of the day, what is the North Star? Where are we ultimately headed to? Is it a world where there's smartphones, but our data is private and we're happy because we have happiness apps? Or is it a world where we are cognitively enhanced to be existing in expansive, blissful universes of our own where we can't even hurt other physical people or ourselves and we can live for 400 years like that. Um, you know, and now that sounds super absurd mm. and it sounds like really sad, like, oh my God, I love my family and stuff. But like, um, I, I really don't know how absurd that is. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I really mm. don't know how absurd that is. I really don't know how absurd mind uploading is. I really don't know how absurd the idea that, so monkeys whatever, three, 7% genetic difference, chimpanzees and human beings, mm -hmm. we go up another three or, or 7%. We're talking about peeling bananas and eating, eating ants with a stick to internet, um, space travel, et cetera, right? With that genetic difference, mm -hmm. we go up that one more time. How much more morally worthy is one of those entities than a person? How many chimps would you run over with a bus than people if you go in the trolley problem thing, right? How many? It pr probably, I would guess it'd be like upwards of a dozen before you would kill a person. So is that is that going to work the same with people? Or do people have some eternal specialness? To me, this is the ultimate AI ethics question. And I honestly have a hard time even paying attention 
to other things. I think if it's not about the post-human trajectory, mm -hmm. I literally can't even bring myself to care. Now that's sick, that's, that's not right. I'm obviously a little bit overly concerned with the grand shebang, but um, I was born to die. I'm coping with my existential condition by figuring out maybe the way out of it. And I think that, um, that, that whatever we shoot for beyond us is so much more, uh, has so much more gravity in terms of its, its moral output than making us little human nodes a little happier. What about expanding the grand node of sentience universe-wide? Isn't that the only grand poobah of, of ethics that maybe we should hone in on? I, I don't think we should ignore the near term. I don't think privacy is nominal, but I do think it's nominal in comparison. Maybe we need it to get there, but if we're not thinking about the North Star, what are we doing? So yes, that, mm. that's kind of the point of the talk, is can AI help us towards that North Star, or is AI what should benefit from the trajectory itself? Mm. Do we think that in a billion years, the special humans should be the ones who garner all the benefit? Or when there's something vastly beyond us, as we are vastly beyond crickets, it should rightfully go where it should rightfully go. People don't talk about this, but it's literally the only thing I care about. Yeah. Now you might be like, oh, surely, Dan, you care about other things. Actually, Ben, I super don't. <laughs> um, and so... And so that, that's, that's the point. Uh, mm. Let me know, I guess, where you want to head from there. But, but that really is what I try to bring up there. Yeah. So um, we had a, a really good, um, this is not to belittle your, your argument just then, uh, but we had a really yes. good talk on uh, science fiction. And the one thing I love about science fiction is it has um, the remit and, and the special place to be able to talk about some of these things on a grand scale you know what i mean so you know I, I think lots of our science fiction writers are actually taking up this case and rolling with it you know yeah. here's a fun story in a fictional future which may or may not happen i'm interested in the dynamics of you know all these different things um so i don't know how you feel about that i, I feel like in the long term we we're talking about science fiction but obviously we have Bunst bostrom and, and people like that who are who are also talking about it in a, a very academic sort of setting yes, but it's yes. it's few, i think it's few and far, far between whereas most people are focused on the near future impact-led um conversation yep yep and I'll be honest, that, that obviously is where we focus most of the time, too, is like, okay, mm -hmm. in the big sectors for, for governments and for businesses, what's happening now, what's happening in the next five years? For me, the, like ultimately, it's about where it rattles forth to. And I think it's really cool that you bring that mm -hmm. up with science fiction. I actually, I have a really hard time, like my introduction to AI ethics was not like, oh, I watched Star Trek and thought it was cool. Like mm -hmm. I super don't read fiction. Like I've had to be forced to read the big transhuman fiction stuff like Snow Crash and... Um, uh, what's that anime thing? Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have like a guy named Wendell Wallach who I really respect. Who's like kind of peer pressured me into getting into some fiction. And I, I have a hard time. I got into AI ethics from Bostrom, Nayef Al Rodan, Kurzweil, and then from mm -hmm. like Bacon, Emerson, Lucretius. Like hardcore MFing philosophy and like in in old and new. That's all of AI ethics for me. I read history. I read philosophy as robustly as I possibly can amidst mm -hmm. all the other work that I have. And all of my rattlings forward are from those two. And they have almost no fiction elements. It's just rattling forth the philosophy elements and, and, and the history elements. But, uh, but mm -hmm. yes, I do agree with you. I think fiction writers serve a, a really cool and potentially very powerful role in where we're headed. And, and I think that uh, I kind of wish I could get more into it, but I, I mm -hmm. definitely respect the heck out of the craft. I respect the craft in a big way. And I think it's important. Yeah, awesome. Um, I'm uh, an avid science fiction reader. And to be honest, I think cool. I, I need to do uh, more of what you're doing, really. My history is uh, not so up to scratch. The philosophy stuff, uh, more so, but the obviously Rome is not on my agenda at the moment. But uh, Yeah, it doesn't have to be, right? Everybody, everybody's back. got their own favorites, right? Greece and Rome, I'm just a sucker, man. I'm just a, just a sucker. I like the whole Republic thing. That's cool. I like that. It's an yeah, interesting too, man. It was a mechanic idea. Yep. Um, so uh, you have this podcast and you have many, many, many episodes uh, as I was looking I at do, it and man. a subscriber. Um, do you, um, what's the podcast about? A quick shout out to the podcast and why people should listen. Sure. Yeah. If, if folks are interested more mm -hmm. in the practical applications of AI. So the, the podcast is called um, AI in Industry. Mm -hmm. um, and just on emerj.com, we have a little button that says podcast. People can check it out. But um, essentially, actually what we started doing, Ben, this is six years ago. You can mm -hmm. actually listen to the really old episodes. I think the first one, I don't know. iTunes, I think, doesn't store them beyond a certain period. But the first one was like end of 2012. No joke. Right. And um, 
we have like um, Robin Hansen and um, Stuart Armstrong from from uh, Future of Humanity Institute, like these guys. This is like 2012, bro. And yeah. it was all AI ethics when we started. It was all grand trajectory AI ethics when we started. But over the last, let's say, six years, mm. um, it's really evolved to be practical where is AI hitting the ground running. So if people look in transportation and they say, okay, realistically, where are we going to be in two or three years? Well, we bring on super high-level people from companies at the cutting edge there and make them paint the future picture, the present and future picture. We do that in you know document and process automation stuff. We do that in research and discovery. We do that in um, you know insurance and in, in diagnostics for medicine and infectious mm -hmm. diseases and look at the current lay of the land and look at the near future in terms of hard impact in the world. So it's about where is this stuff hitting the ground running and what's the possibility space of AI in terms of practical stuff. And that's, again, what we get called into with the World Bank and the UN to, to give talks about. Mm -hmm. um, that's what the show is about. So AI and industry, mm -hmm. if people are into that, um, they can check it out. Obviously, uh, you know, it used to be much, it used to be way more, I think, up your alley, mm -hmm. only, again, focused on, the, focused on the North Star of like, what's after people. It was there for yeah. like a year and a half. And nobody cared. In 2011, exactly zero humans gave about the post-human trajectory. And so I had to go into the business side of things. But anyway, lo long story, but that's what we focus on now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of, um, I remember someone who said um, of, of my podcast that um, it was too specific. And, and then a year oh, really? later, a year later, they said, oh, actually, maybe, maybe you're onto something. So... <laughs> I love it when you get vindicated, but it's 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 a bit of a shame that uh, you know obviously I, I didn't I didn't get vindicated. Didn't, yeah, so I think it's too soon. Well, not necessarily too soon, was, but you you're talking about something which maybe the majority of people weren't ready to hear yet. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. I think even now, I think even now, AI ethics has more public attention in the way. I'm sorry, I'm just plugging in my laptop mm -hmm. as we're talking because I I forget we we go long on these, Ben. But I I, uh, I want to hang here with you. I don't want the comp to die as we as we chat. But I cool. think um in terms of AI ethics where you are resonating is probably where most of the minds want to tune in, which is kind of, you know, how can we build things that are better? Mm -hmm. and, and again, I think that I'm way down with you on that. Like when it's, when it's not like observe me and my shining towering virtue as I am Robespierre and the king should fall, uh, which, which for me is, yeah, I can't fall for that. Right. I've read too much history to, to, to believe that, that you're actually a more virtuous person. Mm -hmm. um, but, but when we talk about, do we go left or do we go right when it comes to this aspect of privacy? What is the society and business we want to build? I love ethics injecting its way into that convo. And obviously that's where you're focused and there is an audience for that now. And six years ago, Ben, there was nothing there. And so mm. I think it's awesome that your show has been vindicated and that this topic is something people care about. I am happy yeah. about that. I really am. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess you get to talk about in pockets like the UN and, and, and things. Those conversations must come into it, you know, even if – not the the big base level stuff, but you know, maybe every now and then. Yeah, nugget. I get to sprinkle it in. Yeah, yeah. I don't get to when I'm at the UN mic. I probably won't be able to talk about like, and and at some point we may have to hand off the reins to the thing that we create. You know, I, I yeah, probably don't yeah. get to talk about that. Sure. But but I do get to talk about little little bits, and and uh, I think you know it'll all come in due time. Mm -hmm. uh, but the practical side, I think, definitely has its place. So um, I think, yeah, so we're, we're hitting um, near the end. So I have a question which I ask at the end, and that uh -huh. is, um, Dan, what is it that you're really excited about within this remit of AI and machine automation? Um, and what is it that slightly worries you? Yeah, I think it's the same. Uh, it's one and the same. Uh, I think ultimately for me, um, the the thing that I think is exciting, but is is definitely worth being afraid of, mm. is what is the trajectory of intelligence and sentience. In other words, what are we teeing up? What are we starting up? We, we came after other things, and there will be other things that come after us. Mm. Uh, what is that, and how do we let that into the world? I think it's both exciting and, and fearful. The more near term dynamic of that, Ben, is that I have a fear that we will not be able to avoid the arms race dynamic of that transition. In other words. Um, there will be so many benefits accrued militarily and economically uh, to the nations and the companies that master these technologies in a big way that how could we have a open-minded, well-intended, interdisciplinary kind of global convo about, hey, humans, hey, team humans, mm -hmm. what are we shooting towards? What's the North Star we're shooting towards? I have a fear, Ben, mm -hmm. that the dying words of Alexander will always be true. And, and it's purported, at least by Plutarch, of, of whom uh, I loyally read on the regular, uh, 
that the last words of Alexander were, um, they, they asked, you know, to whom will we give the kingdom? They said, yeah. to whom will we give the kingdom? My king. And, and he said, he's purported to have said, to the strongest, and then died. And I fear, Ben, hmm. that the powers of AI will just go to the strongest as well. Yep. Is that, is that the recipe for catastrophe? I mean, UN, US-China kind of dynamic, or, or however you want to mm -hmm. see it. Is that gruesome state of nature have to be how we make a step forward? Does that have to be what births what's beyond us? I get nervous as hell about that, Ben. Mm -hmm. Nervous as hell. Yeah. So good. That's a, that's a lovely way to finish um, with this um, worrying picture of uh, domination. Almost. Yeah, the yeah. arms race and, dom yeah, and the yeah. state of nature. Yeah. Yes, sure. exactly. Um, let's just move past that and say that oh, um, right. we're on the other side now and everything's, uh, uh, you know, daisies and um buttercups and butterflies and ai so everything's great or like sentient uh whatever that is um great awesome <laughs> thanks dan um so how can people um find you contact you um all that sort of thing yeah sure uh people can i mean our, our main site is just emerj.com so mm -hmm. literally more than 90 percent of we create i you know, mentioned World Bank and the other people that we do proprietary research for, but yep. more than 90% of we, what we produce is out there for free. So whether it's credit scoring or biped robots or innovations in life sciences, like we just have a tremendous trove of, of uh, reports um, that are that are up on emerj.com. Uh, so that would be the cool place to, to find us. If people are into that side of things and want to know about like the practical today now, where, where we when ethics does come up again, it's in it's in the context of decisions made in developing products and and in in the real world. Mm -hmm. um, AI in industry is the name of the podcast. Just AI in in industry. It's iTunes and all the rest of that stuff. So those are probably the best ways to find me. People want to you know hit me up on Twitter. Just at Dan Fagella. Let me know you heard me on Ben's show and way more than happy to say hi. So that's me. Well, thanks very much for talking to us on the podcast. Um, good luck tomorrow and in the future with all these yes, amazing conversations. Um, you better be telling people the, um, the, the base knowledge, I guess, the, the right information. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, get the fun, the foundation stuff. Yep, yeah. that's, that's the mission, man. So I'll be on it. Sweet, cool. Thank you, Dan. Hi, welcome to the end of the podcast. Thanks again to Dan Figella for joining us. If you'd like to hear more about my thoughts about the conversation, then I'm starting a new video tier on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash machine ethics, where each month you can hear my thoughts about each month's episode. If you'd like to appear on the Machine Ethics podcast or have any questions for our guests, then please email me at hello at machine-ethics.net and find all our other episodes at machine-ethics.net. Thank you again for listening. Bye.